0: You do cry when you get older, you cry more. I remember before I start this message, I remember, uh, and this will go with my message, I remember being in a prayer room with my grandfather. He took me by the hand, took me to the church that he built, physically. Sat me down the front row, went up to the altar, started crying. He cried all the time. So, Chris is just—it's just DNA, okay. <laughs> and he just cried to God, asking God for His blessing. And uh, I'll never forget that. My dad the same way. So, keep crying, son. It's—it's it's a good thing. The Bible says tears are prayers. So we. honor that. Well, I I want to do a message today. It's it's interesting because uh, I'm going to do a message God gave me in the middle of the night. Five little things, and then the last one I'm going to transition into what I feel like is a prophetic moment for this nation and our church. So, uh, before I do that, I... Oh, incidentally, 28 years ago today, there was a move of God in Pensacola, Florida. John Kirkpatrick started preaching the Word of God, and the power of God fell out in that church, and it, it actually moved across the land for years. Uh, Connie and I had the privilege of going there, and I believe, and others believe too, that the prayer center was birthed out of being in Pensacola at, that, at those meetings. So. Uh, It's just incredible what God will do if you let him work in your life. So, I want to give you some father proverbs. Well-trained is the son who can hang on to his father's words as well as he can a fly ball. Happy will be the child who cries because his dad loves him. A good father shows the value of a book as well as a buck. The dad who wonders how much of a teacher he needs to be would do well to go to the school of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad dad as much as a foolish one makes a glum (laughs) mum. Thank God for fathers who not only gave us life but taught us what to do with it. If you're amazed at how hard your dad can make it for you, try it without him. Wow. It's true. And I, I want to honor all the fathers. I think we have some of the greatest fathers in the world in this room who honor God by bringing their children to the house of God and, and doing great things. So, Father, I just bless this word. Let it be joined to our hearts. And fill us with faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Joel, are you here? You're here. Are you ready for this word? Ready. Okay. You're going to like this one. Best thing you can do. I love Joel. He's, he's one of my sons in the Lord. Okay, five things our children, grandchildren can learn from us as fathers. The first thing we must teach them is, number one, to love God. Now these, these, these might sound very simple, but God gave them to me in the middle of the night, so you better, you better realize they're from God, okay? <laughs> love God. Our greatest example is to example loving God to our children and grandchildren. And the scripture God gave me was Daniel 11:32. It says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits the, the, the people that know their God if we as, a, as fathers can know our, our God we can do great exploits so there's always a benefit to the promise of God there's always a benefit and this is saying if you know God, if you know him intimately if you take time with him he will make you strong and carry out great exploits now this one is interesting because God gave me these scriptures too I found that that my dad, the, one of the greatest things my dad taught me, and you might think this is just you're just, no, it's one of the greatest things my dad taught me was how to tithe. Good. Good. Malachi ten, or excuse me, three ten, talks about bring all the tithes in the storehouse, there may be food, and then it goes on in verse eleven. It talks about I will not open if I will not open the heavens for you. The windows of heaven pour out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And then he goes on, verse twelve, and he says, or eleven, and I will be, rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. There is a promise and a and a benefit, and there's something about tithing that puts you into the camp of God. If God has your top pocket book, he has your heart. Because the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I just commend this church for your generosity and giving. And there's men of God that just sacrifice to give in the house of of the Lord. If we can teach our children to love God through the ways we do it, through tithing and through... and and through all the different uh, avenues of loving God, getting down and praying and interceding, God will do some amazing things for us. There's always a benefit to following God. Now, that isn't necessarily the reason why we follow God, but there is a benefit. The second thing God told me was, don't just teach them to love God, teach them to love my word. Love God's word. Teach your children to love God's word. Genesis, or excuse me, Joshua 1, 7 it very clearly he says be strong very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant command you don't turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go and he goes the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in a day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success good. so here it is again you know love God, the love God 's word, if you love God 's word, there's great benefits. It says, "You will prosper wherever you go. Think about that. Prosper whatever you do, wherever you go, you will make your way prosperous, you will have good success for God is with you. Those are all the benefits. Powerful. And then the second scripture with loving God 's word is we know these, Psalms chapter one, verse two. It says, you know, talks about the, the, the man who, who follows hard after God. It says in verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This is what God's word says. It's just amazing. The benefits here. If you're, if you're a man of God planted by rivers, you will have the benefit of the river. You will have fruit in season. Your leaf won't wither. In other words, whatever you do in life, it won't wither and pass away. And whatever you do will prosper. That's powerful. Teach children to love God's word. My, my parents, uh, you know, my mom read me Bible stories every day. Every day she would read me Bible stories. We got a Bible story book series that we, started, we read to our kids. In fact, I remember reading it to Christ, and he would see the picture of Jesus on the cross. And he used to say Jesus. He said, oh, it wasn't. He didn't know how to say Jesus, so he say say oh, He said, "Awi, Agis." Oh, Agis." Oh, you start giving them the word of God, they start understanding the compassion of heaven. God begins to move in their heart at a very young age. I believe even at one and two and three years old, they start understanding things that you wouldn't even imagine. Yes. Teach them to love God's, God's word. Also, the, th- the third one I think is very important. Teach them to love God's house. Yes. Get them to the house of the Lord. Psalm 92, verses 13 and 14. This is awesome. It says, those who were planted, isn't this right, Joel? Those who were planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God and they shall still bear fruit in old age and they shall be fresh and flourishing. Now we can talk about, you know, the Bible all we want, but there is, there is promises that we need to start believing that we have. And this is, this is uh, one of them. The benefits, you're going to flourish. If you're planted in God's house, you'll flourish. You'll bear fruit in old age. I'm believing this more and more every day. When you get older, you want, you want fruit. And you shall be fresh and flourishing. The Bible always talks about, Leviticus says, a tree is as a man's life. Now if you notice, trees grow and usually last about the same uh, season of time as men men and women. And it talks about trees being as a man's life. And then you see all these topics, agrarian topics, of trees being planted, of things happening, of... uh, of everything about a tree. And so the, the planting of the Lord is, is a tree and it will flourish and it will be a tree of righteousness. A tree, a tree will, will uh, and you have all kinds of types of trees. You have palm trees, you have cedar trees. This one talks about a cedar tree. And because you were planted by the rivers of God in the house of God, you will flourish and you'll bear fruit in old age. Yes. I'm claiming it, people. Yes. Now, I think this is one of the most important things you can do because this is tangible. Yeah, you're right. You need to learn to, ch- to get your kids in church. Yeah, right. No matter what. Yeah. Now, I'll give you a story. I'll tell you a story. My, my parents were pastors, and so every time the church was open, we would get to church. But it was more than just a habit. It was, a, it was something that they passed on to us. On the other hand, we had relatives that didn't. And I remember going uh, on a... On a trip, we went camping with, a, with uh, another a cousin's and aunt and uncle. And my family, every time we went on vacation, whether we wanted to or not, we were in church. When we were on vacation. And you know, we got to the point, can't we just take a break once in a while, Dad? No, we're going to the house of God. Well, I went on vacation with his family. And it, 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 it was Sunday. So I got ready for church. I You know, dressed up as good as I could on vacation. Got ready to go to church, and I got out, and nobody else was dressed, ready to go. So I went to my aunt and uncle, aren't we going to church? Oh, no, we're taking a break. We're taking a break this week. But the problem was, they took a break all the time. Out of their six kids, three of them didn't follow God. Out of our four kids, we all followed Jesus. Now, you might say, well, that's just the way works. No, it's it's the plan and purposes of God. Yeah. When you honor God God will honor you. And I just thank God my parents were bold enough to just do that all the time and come to the house of the Lord. We did that with our kids as well. The, the fourth thing is we need to teach our children to love God's people. Yeah. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter 12, love the body of Christ. Yeah. Mem- we're all members of the body of Christ. First John 4, 7 and 8. There's a great scripture here. And uh in fact, this is a little ditty. We, we sang this when I was teaching school. We taught this to our kids, and it went something like this: "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. He that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth God, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved. Let us love one another, first John four, seven and eight. <laughs> you didn't think I'd do it, did you? Wow. We we need to love the body of Christ. There's something powerful. There's something powerful about the house. We're not when we say come to the house of God, we're not talking about a building, we're talking about us, the people. And we need to learn to love each other. And can you imagine being, being in a, a drama situation, tragedy hit, and not have people of God to pray for you? Oh, I can't imagine. Our prayer team's like flea on a dog, man. When you <laughs> give, a, give a prayer request, they're after it, and they keep praying until, until it's, it's accomplished. The fifth one, now this is all I got in, in prayer, and I'm gonna show you what, what God showed me. Uh, further here. Number five is we as fathers need to love God, teach our children to love God's mission. Matthew 28 and uh, verse 19 says, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Basic, what it's saying here is is that we are to go, we are to make, we're to baptize, and we're to teach. All these things we're to do as the mission of God. Now, let me try to describe this because the Bible's very clear. And I, I, I had a, an opportunity to speak last Monday at, a, at a, a citywide thing. And I talked about the kingdom of God in the church. And it's very clear the kingdom of God is all that God's, it's a rule of God and everything that he does is his rule. And he says, seek first the kingdom. Didn't say seek first the church. Didn't say seek first the teaching. Seek first the kingdom, the rule of God. What God is trying to do, the kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He talks about the kingdom and he, he, he mentions to us how powerful it is. We're, we're to build the church but we're to adopt the kingdom. So actually, what you're doing, what what happens is you're born into the kingdom, and you're added to the church. The church is the instrument of the kingdom to proclaim the kingdom message to the world. And so the church is inserted into cultures to change the culture. But it's the kingdom we're preaching. It's the kingdom we're preaching. We're teaching teaching or preaching his his rule his ways his his principles and what he's doing so we serve a king we're not a democracy now i love america but boy america doesn't have it when it comes to government governing they don't understand governance but we do in the kingdom of god the kingdom of god rules over everything and i believe god's about ready to move in a powerful way and we need to teach our kids god's mission what is God's mission? When when you are adopting uh, God's ways in your life, you have to realize you have a purpose. It isn't just to get to heaven. Your purpose is to serve God, bring light and salt to the world, occupy till he comes, and do the things that is necessary to fulfill our purpose. We can come to church. Just, just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian or a, a purpose-filled kingdom citizen. I mean, just because you go to, to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. I thought you'd like that. Just because you come to church doesn't get, make you this kingdom citizen. You have to adopt that and believe for God to do great things in you. So I, I want to I challenge you in that. I, I, I remember Daniel. Can you give me 10, 12 more minutes? They gave me 20 minutes for a 40-minute message, so. Okay, so. Daniel is just a a great example, I think, to all of us. He was in the world, but not of the world. He was disciplined, sensitive, consistent, uncompromising, bold, supernatural. He was attentive to the past, but always pressing towards the future that God spoke. And in in this story, he found a prophecy one day that was important in his prayer life. That changed him. So I'm going to talk about how it is very important that we grab a hold of what happened last weekend. That last, was last weekend. Awesome, or what? Yeah. It was powerful. It was a it was a demarcation line. There was there was glory in the house. There was anointing in the house. We we grabbed a hold of this crossover. And 40 years. This is the first Sunday of the second 40 years. Yeah let's believe for greater things and greater ways. The first 40 of the children of Israel was slow and wildernessy. <laughs> the second 40, they crossed the river, they took city after city after city after city in a short amount of time. So here we have Daniel. So we have these prophecies last week, just like Daniel got, uh, found this prophecy. I think we need to write them out and, and pray over them and pray into them yeah. and see them happen. But he found in Scripture that Jeremiah prophesied that the people of Israel would go into captivity but would be released in 70 years. He uncovered this while they were still in captivity. And he went back and looked at the calendar. He says, this is it. It's 70 years. And it was now come to an end. And because of Jeremiah's prophetic declaration, which I think we've got prophetic declarations now, Daniel knew that now was the time to act. Jeremiah's understanding of the future had turned into a now word for Daniel. So what did he do? He prayed and he fasted. He repented for himself and his people. He received then an angelic visitation and he received revelation of the future. Let's believe for all that in our lives. Let's believe for direction. Daniel understood the times he was living in. And because he understood that, he began to seek the Lord with great fervency. For when the word of God is released through prophecy, it is never forgotten. It is stored in heaven until God is ready to release it back into the earth. So when we're overwhelmed by circumstances, I think, you know, you look at the circumstances in America. You look at all the, all the things happening. And you might go, God is there hope. Well, I have something to tell you. God has already prophesied over America that America will be the nation that will help bring the gospel to every nation on the face of the earth. And we need to pray that into being. I think when it gets bad out there, it's just God's opportunity to say, watch me work. Watch me work. So when we're overwhelmed, I think we need to go back to God's admonition. Where he said is there anything too hard for me wow and in the daniel chapter 7 i love this there was the revelation of the ancient of days daniel chapter 7 it says i watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated one like the son of man came to the ancient of days then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom which shall not be destroyed. That's a prophecy. God's kingdom will never be destroyed. <laughs> never. It doesn't have a beginning and doesn't have an end. And we're set right in the middle of it. And God gives us, as citizens of the kingdom, an anointing to destroy the works of darkness because Matthew 16, verses uh, 16 through 19, says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It's not going to happen. You know, you can say, wow, man, there's a lot of bad stuff out there. Do you see Dodger Stadium? Do you see all this happening? Do you see what's going on in the White House? Oh, my word. God, well, what's going what's to occur? Let me go back to the name of God in Ancient of Days. This name of God, Ancient of Days, is a phrase that describes the everlasting God. Yes. One advanced in days or knowledge, the father of years, one who forwards time rule and rules over it. The name implies dignity, endurance, judgment, and wisdom. Wow. The Ancient of Days has a covenant with the earth. Right. And in this covenant, the earth will be full of his purposes. And he will be long-suffering until all have heard. And in this covenant, he says, I'm going to bring a city or a church, I will establish a house of prayer in, in churches in every city that will bring that city back to God. That's in the promise of the Ancient of Days. Ezekiel, we need to be like Ezekiel chapter 37. We must speak to the dry bones and command them to be brought back to life. We need to say that to America. America, hear the word of the Lord! Come back and join the covenant of God. We need to speak that so we can reestablish God's covenant purpose for a territory, a city, a state, even the Treasure Valley. I think there are so many prophetic words about the Treasure Valley and I declare it will take place the ancient of days releases ancient wisdom for present day victory I'm going to say that again the ancient of days is the one who releases ancient wisdom for present day victory there's a lot of um, chronological snobbery what do I mean by that every generation that comes gets this pride thing Excuse me, but they use that term for our month, and i 'm taking that back. It should be the humble month but but there 's this chronological snobbery that I think, even in the church, if we 're not careful, well they, you guys that 's the old way to do it let 's do it this way if you If you look at scripture, every generation is to build on the previous generation for the things of God, for God will continue to reveal things, but you aren 't you aren't the center of the universe. Yeah, right. And I, I believe, and I look back at all the things that were revealed uh, back to us when we were coming into the presence and the spirit of God. We need to build on that, not discard that. Right. Yeah. Amen, Pastor Ken, that was really good. Yeah. So I'm going to take you to a scripture, second, second, uh, Corinth, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. We speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of the age nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit." God gives us keys in this to pray. In other words, the Ancient of Days gave wisdom in this, in this scripture to us for a new day. He's saying that God has wisdom greater than any worldly wisdom. He's saying powers and principalities do not have access to this wisdom. The authority of demonic forces is limited, hallelujah. There's wisdom that has been hidden since the beginning of time that will be released for his glory. And through the redemptive cross of Jesus Christ, we have access to this wisdom, for we're kingdom kids. And God is prepared to release this wisdom to us as we get to know Him intimately. Those who know their God shall be strong and do mighty exploits. This wisdom will overthrow high places and release captives. I believe the world is going to be shocked by the wisdom of the church and the wisdom that comes out in this day. I thank God for the generations that are rising up and, and blessing God. Wisdom dismantles demonic structures and overthrows thrones of iniquity that 's what we 're battling against right now is demonic structures and overthrows and, and thrones of iniquity and the, the Lord I believe showed us and showed me that any demonic force holding a territory captive could not withstand the wisdom that God will release to his people. And if the Spirit of the Lord burdens me or you to pray for a city, a state, or a nation, we then have authority to gain the keys of the kingdom for the release of the inhabitants of that territory. Wow. Wow. I gotta finish, but I can't. <laughs> now, there's there's an Old Testament word, a bar. It's the word crossover. It's the Old Testament in the Hebrew, a bar. The word this is this is fascinating. The root word, the first mentioned principle of a bar, is in Genesis 14:13. It has to do with Abraham, and Abraham was called the Hebrew. The Hebrew is a bar, or the one who crossed out of his homeland and into a new region when instructed to by the Lord. So Abraham was the crossover person. Wow. We as the children of Abraham are to be crossover people. Yes. We're to crossover. It was a very significant word back then. It means going and transitioning from one place to another. There's several other crossover scriptures. God, when, when remember when Moses was before God in the cleft of the rock in in Exodus chapter 33 and God went by him and showed him his glory. He had to kind of hide his face a little bit. He showed him his goodness and glory and the word is a bar. When God abars to us when God crosses over to us facets of his nature and character are then revealed. I believe when we become crossover people God will reveal himself to us in such a way that we have definitive faith and courage to do what he asks us to do. The next one is the one we probably think about the most. A new generation crossed into their inheritance in Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. The Lord instructed Israel to watch or follow the Ark of the Covenant, for you have not passed this way before. This scripture means passing over the Jordan into a new land. Each generation must have its own crossing over. They were not true Hebrews just because their forefathers were. They had to cross over themselves. This is a new generation, and you have to cross over. Oh, yeah. Did you see what happened this morning? Everyone who was on the worship team up here, yeah. you know, from Marvin on this side to Callie on that side, all the way, they were all under 35 years of age. Right. They're all this generation. Right. Keegan was up here pronouncing the will and the purpose of God, <laughs> preaching, if you, if you will it's a new generation. Ricky, when you, pray, when you prayed in, in uh, pre, pre-service prayer, something hit the fan. I mean, he prayed he prayed heaven down. And I'm thinking, oh God, let this generation arise. Let this be their crossover moment. Let it be in Jesus' name. Let God arise. Crossover. Now this is interesting. The word a bar is used in one of the cases that I thought, that's fascinating. The air passing through the Jubilee trumpet was described as a bar, as crossover, meaning crossing over can be the release of the breath of God to us, bringing freedom and brand new beginnings. God needs for us as a church and a nation to cross back into a meaningful and covenantal relationship with him. We cannot rely on what our forefathers said. We need to grab a hold of our crossing in our day. We must have our own crossing, and Christ, our jubilee, will then breathe on us again, bringing true freedom and restoration. I, not for a moment, do I not believe that God is active in what's happening right now. I just, I just Connie and I were listening to a prophetic word on, online, a podcast podcast. A pastor in a church, every Sunday he sees two angels. Two angels in his church every Sunday for many years. A few months ago, he saw a third angel join them right in the middle of the balcony. The biggest angel he'd ever seen. And God spoke to him and said, this is my seraphim. Huge, huge angel. Just recently, he said, he saw this huge angel grabbed a spear and he threw it right towards Washington, D.C. This is what this pastor saw, literally, but in the spirit as well. He saw that, that spear land in the lawn or the yard of the White House. The very next day, he saw that on Sunday. On Monday, they erected a platform where they depicted perverseness in the white house he said god has now judged that and leaders who will not follow god's principles wow. and then he says within 3 months you will see god do something extraordinary it may happen in the 3 months my point is being this we need to grab a hold of the prophetic word what god is doing god is not Absent from our presence. God knows what's going on. Don't lose heart. Let's believe that it is is the time for God to move. And as we grab a hold of these, these prophetic words and we move into the crossover moment, this will be a time that we will never forget and we'll tell our children and our grandchildren, remember what God did in 2023. Remember what God did on that day. We need to grab a hold of this. This is spiritual things. Oh, let me try to close. (laughs) Let me read a couple scriptures and then I'll quickly. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I believe we need to come up now, it's, it's, it's God's time for us to come up to another realm of the unseen. We need to recognize there is an unseen realm of the spirit, the invisible. It's hidden, but it's real. And what happens is most people don't even give thought to it, but things happen in the natural that occurred in the spiritual first. The Bible is filled with descriptions and accounts of this. In fact, the, this is the story of the Bible of things happening in the unseen realm. And the more we learn to function in the invisible realm of the Spirit, recognizing and applying the principles that govern it, the more we can partner with God positively and impact our world and, and avoid the things of the enemy and enjoy the blessings of God. Just a couple of notes here. Remember the, the story of the Amalekites? Remember, Moses went up to the mountain. He took a staff with him, and Aaron and Hur went with him. And as long as he had the staff in the air, they'd have the victory on the ground with, the, with Joshua leading them into battle. But as soon as he dropped the staff, they, they, uh, they, they went in defeat. And so Aaron and Hur learned something real quick. We got to help Moses. So they lifted his hands, and they positioned themselves. We need to start positioning ourselves to lift the staff or the rod of God. This is, now think about this. This is the very same rod that was used to deliver Israel, judge the gods of Egypt, part the Red Sea, and strike the rock. And by by raising this staff of God, Moses was exalting the Lord and his strength and his power. He was declaring that in spite of the very literal battle that was happening below, that they were going to enjoy the power source for victory, which was God himself. We need to start living in a higher realm, the invisible realm. We need to uh, join ourselves with that. another illustration was Elisha. If you remember Elisha, in 2 Kings chapter 6, he was surrounded by the enemy who was coming to kill him. He was in a city, they were coming to kill him. But Elisha had seen something, and his his, uh, servant was going apoplectic, saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You're going to die. No. No, Elisha said, A simple prayer, God opened his eyes. And what happened? His eyes were opened to see that there were more for them than against them. For the sky was filled with the glory of God and all of his forces. Uh, I'm going to skip that. I want to read this. I went to Ephesians, as I just try to close here. I went to Ephesians and I I took out, there's five places heavenly places are talked about. I'm gonna read them without scriptures in between. Five places, join them all together. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. He's saying here, basically, we've been given everything we need to operate in the heavenly places. Places. We just need to get there. We just need to operate in that area. For God is going to manifest his glory in these heavenly places. And God is going to cause a breakthrough. A breakthrough that's going to be for all of us. And this last scripture, Revelation 4.1 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here! and I will show you things which must take place after this. Come up here, and I will show you. We are to be dwelling in heavenly places, which means that we're not to levitate up. It means that we're to get in the Spirit... And we'll start praying with God in spiritual realms, and he'll begin to show us things that we cannot know otherwise. And from that vantage point, if you, if you, if you fly in a plane, you realize how small everything is. Right. And when you get with God, you realize how small your problems are. Right. And we can, we can start praying from that vantage point, and God will begin to direct our steps. And with that, what happens is God begins to connect heaven and earth. You've heard your pastor, Chris. You've heard him talk continually about connecting heaven and earth. Heaven and earth are so close. But what God wants to do is realign us, restore us, heal our nation, and release his glory by taking us up to the place where we can see from God's vantage point. And from that, we grab the the prophetic words, we prophesy them. I'm telling you right now, we're in the best place we could be. We're we're in in the best uh, season of life. God's God's about ready to do some great things. He's already done some great things. He's going to do greater things. And the church is going to say, look what God has done. Eye has not seen nor ear heard what God will do for those who love him. And I believe today God's God's getting you ready. If you will grab a hold of this of this challenge and say I want to go up. I want to go up. I want to teach my children to love God's word. I want to teach my children to love to love God himself. I want to teach my children to love the house of God and the people of God. And I want to surely teach my children God's mission, which is for us to be victorious with Jesus over where we've been planted. You do you know you've been assigned to this If you live here, you've been assigned here. Your role is to pray. It's not just to get to heaven. Stop wanting to get to heaven. I mean, that's okay. But I don't want to get there too soon. You didn't get that joke. I want to fulfill God's purpose in my life here on the earth. So we can say, "We we finished our course, just like Paul. I completed my race. Here I am. Let's do that. Amen? Can I pray for a release of the, of, of the anointing on you? And then I, I have one more, a couple things I want to do. Uh, in just, just a second here. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray a release of the anointing of this word on our hearts. That, that we would take this on this crossover Sunday. This is really a crossover Sunday. That you're going to take us and, and use us in ways we've never seen before. Everything's going to change. There's going to be new relationships. There's there's going to be new anointing, there's going to be new strategies, there's going to be new grace, there's going to be new instruments of warfare, there's going to be new, 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 new. And I pray right now that you would just uh, uh, deliver unto us the power of the Holy Spirit as we fulfill the work of God. Let this house be a house, an ecclesia of the prophetic, apostolic anointing and empowerment given by God to us. We pray right now, I declare that Boise and the Treasure Valley belongs to God. I declare that Idaho belongs to God. I declare that your grace is sufficient. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would move upon us and move upon the land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I felt led to do this, so I'm going to do it. I I believe I'm a father of the house, and so I. uh, Boys' State football players, are you here? If you're a Boys' State football player, would you stand? In fact, I want you to, guys. I felt the Lord speak to me strong about you guys today. Can you can you come along here? Just just come over here. Rob is a former football player. I want you to come and join him. Just just face me, guys. Don't face the congregation. Forget about them. Just face me, okay? <laughs> I've, I felt the Lord. Uh... I wanted to pray a prayer of a father's blessing upon you. Most of you are away from dad, dad's back home someplace, mom's back home. But I'm going to pray a prayer, a blessing, a Father's blessing on you, that this will be the best year of your life. Now, I'm not just—I'm speaking of just natural things, football plays, etc. I'm speaking of spiritual things, too, both. But I'm, 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 I'm so proud of you. You come to church, and there's something that will be given to you in church. So, church, would you lift your hands to them? We're going to pray over them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I decree and declare an anointing upon these players that they've never experienced before. May they come into heavenly places. May you give them wisdom and understanding. Lord, even when they're playing on the field, there'll be wisdom of what to do, what not to do. When, when they're in the community, you give them wisdom of what to do and what not to do. You'd give them an ability to pray things into being. I pray even in the huddle. I pray even in the, in the, the area of the, the locker room, on the field, in class. Lord, the word of God would be on their lips, and your anointing would come upon them, and they would see them not just themselves, not just as players, but as kingdom citizens who have been uh, deputized for the work of the kingdom. So I pray, Lord, you place your hand upon them right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would stir their faith. I pray they'd walk in in great wisdom, in great faith, in great purity, in great delight. Let this be a year of coming home to Jesus. I pray it be a year of just recognizing the power of God when we serve God with all of our hearts. So in Jesus' name, we place our hands upon you, and in Jesus' name, we declare the anointing of heaven itself coming into your being. You will never be the same again. God is giving you a new frame of reference, new eyes to see and new ears to hear. And let God arise and let all of his enemies be, be scattered. You will not efface fear. Fear be banished in Jesus' name. For you have not been given the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So I declare and decree in Jesus' name the will of God over your lives. In the powerful name of Jesus. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. We just decree and declare it right now. Church, if you believe that, just give them a clap and a shout. Now, I think it's, I think it's also appropriate I think it's also appropriate that I pray a father's blessing of the ironic blessing over you. And I just want to say this over you. As a father in the house, I pray this, in, not in place of your father, but in addition to your father's. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. amen amen praise god god bless you guys love you amen you take that wow all right church i, I just i just feel like there's i know it's twelve fifty eight. in jesus name i rebuke time <laughs> time shall be no more would you stand and let's just let's just conclude this and then uh, keegan's going to come just, if you perceive this word, just lift your hands right now. I release the word of God to the ecclesia at Capitol Church. I release it to be done in Jesus' name. This is now a new day with crossover people that are going to change the course, the history, and the destiny of the Treasure Valley in Boise, Idaho, and Meridian. We decree it and declare right now, let the anointing fall, let the power of God come, and let the wisdom be placed in our hands and our hearts and our minds so we can dwell in heavenly places with you. We just decree it and declare it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, Amen, church. Thank you, Pastor Ken. Can we just thank Pastor Ken real quickly? Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.